Hello and welcome to Wild, Wealthy, and Liberated, a sacred space that is co-created to deepen and expand your beingness in dismantling, deprogramming, relearning, rewilding, reclaiming your power so you can own your magic and share your medicine more freely. I'm Jasmine Hayden, your host and embodiment, love, wealth, and leadership mentor. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Anna Kinkella is our special guest for today. I'm so excited to have you here. So grateful to be able to speak into all of the magic and the hardship and everything in between of what your journey and your medicine has been in wild, wealthy, and liberated and how that feels in your work and in your business. And so I would love to give uh, you the opportunity to introduce yourself and to share whatever you'd like to about your your work or your journey just to set uh, a little invitation for people to get to know you better before we dive on in Mm -hmm. yeah definitely thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast I feel honored to be here um, and it's such appreciation to just be able to have this conversation with you today Um, Yeah, so as Jasmine said, my name is Anna Kinkilla, and I am a somatic business mentor um, and energetic alchemist for leaders in their business. And my main work is um, to essentially support folks to um, expand into their possibility and to really deepen in their receivership. And I do that through nervous system work. So... Um, I'm the creative nervous system business growth, and I do a lot of work with folks, um, specifically women, to support them to fully receive in their business and in their life. Um, And I do that through the lens of really um, coming into relationship with money and, you know, coming into relationship with the parts of us that show up in the nervous system in relationship with money. Um, so I do a combination of, you know, healing and expansion work in the nervous system. And then I help folks translate that into how they're growing and scaling their business um, with resonant somatic based stra- strategies for their growth. So that's like a little short snippet about what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had the the deep honor and pleasure to work with you and have been so inspired by you when I first came across your work, you were one of the first people that I knew that was setting uh, a new pathway to connect to money and connect to business and connect to leadership in this new paradigm of really listening and honoring the body. And so I truly see you as one of the trailblazers in this field, in this industry, in this kind of way. And I feel like it's so important when we live in a society that has taught us to neglect our body or to not tend to the nervous system and have experienced firsthand, and I know you have so much experience with this, the repercussions and the uh 
the the detrimental effects of the toxic capitalist system where our bodies just can't operate in a healthy or sustainable or regenerative way, uh, which is why a lot of leaders go through so much struggle and so much hardship and can stay stuck in the heaviness or the muck of what shows up and what comes up in different stages of our not only spiritual evolution, but our our personal relationship to life and to love and to leadership. And so I'm really excited to get into how these connects to all areas of life, like not only business, because as we know, uh, in holistic business, everything touches everything and everything uh, affects everything. So I, I'd love to just start with getting into your journey of how you came to where you are now and what led you to being the the human and the leader that you are now from from where you started yeah yeah so i um i started off my you know career as a trauma therapist and um the original reason i got into that work is i was just you know both like fascinated and in deep desire to support people to thrive in their life. And, you know, I recognized through my training, the impact um, of trauma on people's ability to thrive. And so I was particularly really passionate about helping women heal from trauma. And so I, you know, got a very traditional education and being able to support women to be able to heal in those ways. And I was trained in lots of different ways from lots of different perspectives, including like cognitive behavioral therapy, and then also from more of like body-based therapeutic modalities like EMDR, um, which folks may or may not have heard of, but it's just kind of a way of processing trauma that really connects with the body. And through that work, um, I, you know, did that for about 10 years in different capacities, um, and also worked with men a ton. Um, and I got to this place where I actually really felt burnt out and my body felt like it had reached its capacity for that kind of work in that specific setting. Um, and I ventured out, saw that people were making money doing coaching and I was like how's this even possible <laughs> Where, <laughs> how, how does this happen and I started to you know really try out what does it mean for me to be a coach who am I as a coach um, not as a therapist and how do the things that I'm really passionate about translate into um, you know this identity that I'm stepping into as a coach Um, And I spent about two and a half, three years figuring that out, like trying on different ways of approaching the work. And um, I worked with women leaders to support them to really embody their leadership, um, really kind of along this thread of like being a conscious leader, being embodied in who you are as you share your medicine with the world. Um, And what I started to see was a lot of 
kind of commonalities and patterns in all of my clients that all came back to a receivership wound. And, you know, when we talk about like receiving wounds, they take lots of shapes and forms, um, but they kind of come back to our, you know, nervous system capacity to be intimate with ourselves, with other people, with different energies in our life and in our business. And so I saw the way that this translated to money, to how people were leading in their business. And so things just started to kind of click into place of like, oh, like, this is really like something that I feel so passionate about women receiving. And this is how I'm seeing it impacting them and their capacity to actually welcome more of what they desire into their life. And so my work began to really root itself in, in a different kind of way. Um, and, you know, I really took my background as a trauma therapist and integrated it into a very different um, kind of methodology to support people to expand through the nervous system um, and to do it more from this. It's definitely a trauma informed lens, but it's also a lens from which people actually start to feel safe with the expansion that they want to welcome in versus kind of like circulating in some of the like shadow trauma mm-hmm. where we sometimes tend to get stuck. So, um, and that's where nervous system business growth was born. And, you know, the, the work inside of Nectar, which is my program for healing the receiving wound and expanding, you know, your receiving capacity with money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One of the things that excites me uh, in what you shared in, in your work is around identity and especially uh, identity as a leader. And one of the things that I teach and that I, I hold is that we are all leaders. And though some people might not identify with that, even though they may be playing those roles in their life. And so I'm curious, have you always identified as a leader or was there kind of a point that you can remember where you realized or that you decided that that you are a leader and and how you've experienced that also in your work with people who may not identify as leader and maybe them stepping into the role of leadership and how that has changed their lives i feel like that will be really valuable for some of our listeners who who may already be leaders but are stepping into higher levels of their leadership or who might not see themselves as leaders but it would be really empowering to get to own that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't um, identify as a leader for most of my life. It actually wasn't until I stepped into my own business that um, I started to look at that term leader and it felt quite mismatched to how I saw myself in that moment. Um, and I think, you know, it really goes back to, I think, how young girls are taught to be we're not really taught that we have the capacity to be leaders or even what it means to be a leader um and it was such a foreign concept for me to associate that with myself and so i think a lot of my work very early on in my business was about stepping into the embodiment of claiming that for myself feeling powerful within myself And, um, 
yeah, it, it was a huge part of my capacity to actually show up in my business and claim this is who I am. This is what I do. And I am powerful. And I think at every level of our business, we are in the process of kind of peeling back another layer of that, another layer of our capacity to claim a different kind of leadership level, a different kind of level of power. And I find that for women in particular, it is such a complicated thing because we have a divisive relationship with power. Power has been used against us. Mm -hmm. And if we are women who are claiming more power, we are often called all sorts of different names or made wrong or bad um, to be claiming more power. And so it's kind of like a double-edged sword of, you know, what does it mean for me to be powerful and to wield that in really, you know, power, like in really conscious ways and what does it mean for me to step out and potentially be chastised for being powerful and feel safe enough in that to be able to hold myself and to actually feel, you know, okay and regulated in that space. And so it's like learning how to do both in your nervous system, which can be um, a really which is a really big thing for us to, you know, learn at every iteration of our leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that so deeply. And it's, it's so interesting because I, I had been someone personally who at such a young point in my life identified as a leader. I remember like I was with my little sisters I was orchestrating. I was I used to be like very much into like singing and I still am very much into singing, but at that point in time I was wanting to have them as my backup dancers and would like <laughs> would create little like shows and be in like that was like the first the first stages. I was like 8 or 9 where leadership for me um it came so easily and yet in conscious leadership and as it relates to spirituality when I had my first spiritual awakenings later on in life it kind of shifted what leadership meant and I was also having a a higher level of awareness around the leaders that dominated our culture and the things that were not okay with it are not okay with it and you know the incongruence between uh what is taught as a good quote-unquote leader, which can be, you know, authoritative in a way that is taking power away from other people or things like this. And so this invitation that, that you offer in in your work and that we see in this, this conscious leadership movement is inviting people to welcome themselves into their own power and claim it for themselves. And I know that... Uh, there can be so much resistance from you know our trauma and from our wounding and from our imprints in feeling like we have the capability to lead others through the depths and through the shadows and through the light and through the opening and the expansiveness when there's parts of ourselves that still haven't felt safe in that whatever those new depths of intimacy might be. So I'm curious in in your journey, 
what were some of the the parts that stick out for you where stepping into a next level of leadership brought up things that you might have not expected or things that were uh, challenging in fully claiming that power and fully claiming that new identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I think the first time I actually stepped into my business was like a huge initiation. Um, And I think it is for most people just from the perspective of like, oh, I get to create money. Like no one's paying me something. Like I actually get to become nourished from my own body versus like relying on others to provide that to me. Um, And just being kind of in the spotlight, I suppose, like it, it really requires you to like, be comfortable with being seen. Um, and I think that that was my first initiation when I stepped into my business. Um, and that took some time to get to a place of regulation with that in and of itself. Um, and then after that, it had a lot to do with money and my capacity to receive an overflow of money not just like oh this is enough for me to survive but this is enough for me to thrive and a lot of my ancestral pieces showed up inside of that in particular um my background is I'm Croatian so I was born in Croatia and you know I lived in America for most of my life and kind of went back and forth between the two countries but Um, you know, my grandmother, who is very dear to my heart, she was one of seven children and grew up very poor. And, um, there was definitely this like ancestral piece that I was holding on to like a stop on my own nervous system around, like, is it really safe for me to receive more than enough? Um, and is it really safe for me to have money? be easeful um, versus like something I have to work hard for, something I have to like struggle to get. Um, And so there was a really big initiation around that for me um, and a lot of healing that kind of went into that space. And yeah, and I think then the initiation after that was once I was in overflow, how do I hold all of this from a really regulated conscious space when there's a lot of things being thrown at me? Like, you know, I think the more we rise in our business, there's a lot more goodness. And there's also a lot of challenges that come up, like things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Like we think of, oh, 10K, 20K, 50K, 100K months. It's like, oh, I'm like, flooding in the cash and you know all of, <laughs> all of this amazing thing is all this amazing stuff is happening and while that is true what also comes with that is you know clients not being fully satisfied you know like payments defaulting on the back end team members you know and needing to manage team members and there's a lot of negotiation around who am I as a leader here and how do I step in in a way that really honors, you know, what I'm creating 
and you know what I desire to receive, but that also honors the people who step into my spaces, the way you know that I manage payments on the back end, the way that I hold my team members, like who am I in that space? And so the higher you scale, the more that you have, the more that those things inevitably show up and the more that, you know, our parts get triggered that, you know, like feel like they're not enough and like, oh, is this client not receiving enough? Am I not good enough? Like, and managing the layers that come up within you to then really show up inside of that space as, you know, an embodied leader who's in their power and who's able to hold compassion and care, but who's also able to hold boundaries as well. And so there's just like so much complexity that enters into the space. And that's, you know, that's really been my initiations, my, all of my initiations probably in the past year, year and a half, two years, like this whole scaling journey that's happened on the back end. And so um, there's been so many initiations and like opportunities for me to learn to regulate at whole other different levels. Mm-hmm. I love the framing of this because <laughs> it's so, it's so true, you know, uh, that in order to, to rise and to grow and to thrive in different expressions of ourselves and different expressions of our leadership, it requires the the regulation and it's yes the the opportunity to regulate to higher uh capacities and it also feels in the moment i'm sure you've seen this so much in your own work and and have your own specific relationship to it it feels so uh i think there's different kinds of energy so there's there's the heaviness that it can feel with like the stuckness or the uh the the stories that are attached to the wounds and things like that uh and i think it would be really uh really great to hear and to just explore this space of like the, how it feels in the body through the when it doesn't feel good <laughs> and the regulation comes in you know and and having the tools and resourcing and being able to have whatever support that might be available to any person in whatever circumstances they're navigating but just that that in between space you know the gap of when you feel like you can't into gaining the safety of of, I got this yeah (laughs) yeah definitely um yeah I, I think ultimately everyone is gonna be a little bit different but I'll share the way that I tend to process these things and actually a client of mine asked me this question about how I hold you know, what my process is like when someone like calls me out publicly or mm. like client complains. Cause I, you know, like there, there's, especially like with everything that's happening in the coaching industry too, it's like, there are these fears, I think collectively around like, well, if I get bigger, like, you know, are people going to start calling me out? Am I going to like burn at the state, you know, just like all this stuff that comes up. And it kind of requires the same skill set. And um, my own process is in my body, what I notice happening is like my overthinker starts to come into place. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who like tends to see the gray and everything. Like I can argue any perspective and see someone's point of view on something and talk myself into essentially like kind of gaslighting myself. <laughs> 
Um, and so I have this whole process around like witnessing the parts of me that want to minimize like my power, my truth and what is present for me um, in favor of wanting to appease someone else. It's like that people pleaser that comes in. And um, my process with like just noticing dysregulation is like I go into overthinking. I start to like spiral in my head and go on the like train of like, I did this wrong and like, I'm not enough in this way and blah, blah, blah. And so what I've gotten into the practice of doing is actually not like hopping on that train because we can have all of the voices that come up in the space and all of the triggers that emerge, but the difference between, you know, witnessing them and actually like heading down a deep hole where you actually feel like you're not enough, where you can't connect to your power anymore is the ability to say like, I see the parts that are getting triggered like I see the parts of me that are emerging in the space because they feel like they should have done this or they should have been like this. And I can just feel it in my body. I can allow space for me to like feel the constriction of them and let them be like, we don't have to get rid of them. We don't have to like buy into the story and keep going deeper and deeper into the emotional frenzy. We get to just like feel it, be present to it. And what I find to be true is that after a period of time, just allowing for the processing and the feeling of it in my body, I get to this place where it's almost like, you know, when the analogy is like the, the storm is happening and then all of a sudden the clouds part and the sea is still, and it happens like from one moment to the next. And that is how I experience it. And maybe it's because I'm an emotional authority in human design, but it's like, I feel all of the waves, all of the storm, and I just witness it. And then the sea becomes calm and I can access the part of myself that A, knows that I'm safe no matter what. And that B, knows my power and my truth and can really stand behind that and back that up. And to allow that to then be the loudest voice in the room, mm. right? The rest of my voices can do what they're going to do. But if I can lean into that voice that feels the calm, that knows my power and trust in her, then what they're saying doesn't matter as much because I'm operating from here, from like that centered space inside of me. And that's what I get to continue to hold. And so... I think my overall invitation for anyone listening is like, let yourself feel it all. The The place where we run into quote unquote trouble is when we start to like stuff it away or when we go so deep into the emotion that we can't see anything else. Like let yourself feel it, but not drown in it. And then find the part of you that knows that you're safe, that knows that everything's gonna be okay. And that is connected to your power and see if you can put her in the driver's seat and let that shape the actions that you take from that point on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes to this. Mm. This piece around uh, emotional freedom is coming up for me and all of that around like gaining and reclaiming the capacity to feel ourselves to feel our emotions 
and to gain intimacy with how energy is moving through our systems, which is a relatively new thing, given that you use the reference of burn at the stake. And like literally women were burned at the stake for being in their power. I know I have witch wounds and I'm curious if, if you want to get into any witchy things here because I'm I'm so here for the witchy conversations and we're in the realm of, of magic in, in our work and how that shows up and the things that are beyond the material realm and our connection with these other dimensions and things like this. And for women where we've been conditioned societally to suppress our emotions, men too, right, to suppress emotions and to uh, not give ourselves that space to feel and the feminine way, which is how we both lead and and what I I see, you know, having this big uprising in the world for for people who have and cultures who have that privilege uh, to be able to be in the feminine power of allowing and receiving and surrendering and letting that feel juicy and letting that really deepen our own connection with spirit i i'd love to get into that piece like the the feminine energetics of safety in expressing and in receiving and how you have stepped into that and and maybe the beginning of when that felt like it was more a part of your way of being, uh, and how that also connects to your spiritual self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as you were talking, what was coming up for me is that as women, we are taught that our emotions are okay, but I think we're predominantly taught to kind of like feel our emotions from our head to intellectualize our mm-hmm. emotions. Yeah versus like actually feel them in the body. And there's a huge shift when we feel something in the body versus when we try to feel it in our head. Um, Because when we drop into our body and we feel safe enough to stay there, and I think that's the trick, the reason why people don't do that is because we don't feel safe in our bodies. Um, And when you actually get into the practice of like letting yourself go into the body and it's a continual practice of like, Oh, I've been in my head. Can I come back here? Can I just like feel the sensation of it? That it then doesn't leave a lot of room for us to interpret so much into our emotion, but merely let it be what it wants to be. Um, And it's where like we step into the interpretation where it kind of like starts to go downhill Versus like the emotion itself is just an emotion that wants to move through and that's okay. And so I think for me in my own journey, um, I was someone who highly intellectualized every single thing. Mm -hmm. And I find this to be true for therapists. I'm definitely not speaking for every therapist, but what I will say, my knowledge of many therapists is like, we kind of know like, oh, I have this not enoughness because when I was a kid, this and this happened to me and blah, 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 right? We can explain all of the reasons why we have the patterns that we do. And yet, like, can we actually feel the impact of that on our body and let the emotion process through us versus intellectualizing the shit out of it? And so, you know, I was someone who was very much, you know, head-centric, 
Like I knew all my patterns. I knew why they were there, but they never changed because I didn't feel safe to feel them in my body. And when I started to actually do the work of like, can I come into my body, like do this depth work, it completely shifted how I led myself, how, you know, my patterns presented themselves. It completely shifted how I was being. And so that was a really pivotal shift for me. Mm-hmm. And what informed so much of the work that I do now um, and why I am where I am in this moment. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but that has always been my journey is to go from the head down to the body and practice that again and again. Um, and I think in terms of my spiritual connection, I stopped trying to find spirit outside of myself Mm -hmm. and I started finding it within myself and feeling it within myself and that connection with the divine spirit living inside of me allowed me to become more embodied in who I truly am. And so as soon as I stopped looking for answers outside and giving my power away to something external and started coming in and feeling that sacredness inside of myself, my power came online in a whole different kind of way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such an important point that you bring up around uh, the intellectualization of our emotions. And I've experienced it for myself so much in, in my experience with therapy on the other side of it (laughs) and with the people that I know who step into the coaching world and have kind of that jadedness a little bit around their experience with therapies where it is trying to logic our way through the emotions or, you know, that, that disconnect between, the body and the processing of the emotion without the attachment to what it means or to uh, wanting it to be something other than it is or, or things like this. And what you're speaking into around the the connection to uh, spirit from within out and, and having that be something that is held as sacred and not something that is externalized. I think it's, it's very connected to getting outside the limitations of the mind, outside of whatever it is that the mind is, is wanting to make sense of our reality or our circumstances and being able to tap into our own innate wisdom that our emotions also can offer us and that our emotions often are, are leading or guiding us, in, in my experience, uh, into a, a more liberated expression of, of who we are. Uh, and so when I'm thinking and hearing uh, around this, this being with spirit inside of ourselves, and I have these moments that come up as really significant times in my life, where uh, I found spirit within me in a new way and that allowed me to love and honor and respect my body in a new way. Uh, I, I'm curious 
what that has been for you, like your different, maybe spiritual awakenings or the points where you felt your intuitive power really magnify or strengthen and then how that impacted your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I think I always had a connection with spirit since I was a little kid. Um, but I didn't know what that really meant um, until, yeah, probably my late 20s. Um, I went through this period where I identified as Christian and I went to church and, you know, I was raised in a Catholic country. Um, my family wasn't particularly religious, but it was kind of like a just like the way we were, you go to church and, you know, you're Catholic by identity just because you're born Croatian in many ways. And so um, there was a lot of that kind of influence in my life. And um, when I was in high school, I started going to a Presbyterian church for a little while. And I tried to find my space inside of that community Um, because they were at least kind of like speaking the language of spirituality. And up until, you know, that point in my life, my parents weren't speaking that language. I only had a very, um, like organized religion understanding of spirituality. And so I found a community that kind of like spoke a little bit more of the language that I could relate to, um, different from the Catholic church that felt very like rigid and like cold, this place felt like a little bit warmer. And so I was like, okay, I'm kind of curious to follow that thread. And so for, you know, about two years, I identified um, as a Christian. And then, you know, because of the practices that I came into connection with there, I decided it wasn't matching who I really was. Um, Just some of the things that they said about, you know, LGBTQ folks and all of that, that just didn't resonate with my value system. So I stepped out of that environment. And then I started to open myself up to, well, well, if I'm not Christian, then, you know, who am I in the space? And um, that's when I started practicing yoga and started getting on my mat. And I didn't understand what yoga was at the time. Obviously, it's become very popularized in our Western culture. And I stepped onto the map because I was interested in, you know, just experiencing what people were talking about when they stepped onto the yoga mat. And so I had like a 10-year practice of, you know, physical asana practice. And that was what got me connected to my body in the first place. Because before that, I... I don't think I even thought about my body other than thinking about how bad or wrong it was Mm. and how to be skinnier and look a certain way and trying to control it. And I had, you know, um, disordered eating um, all through, you know, my teenage years into my early to mid 20s. And so when I came onto the yoga mat, it was like, I was opening myself up to a different relationship with my body. Yes. But a spiritual relationship with my body and through the practice, it eventually led me to understanding 
or attempting to understand yoga from a more holistic perspective that was not just the physical asana practices, but also meditation. And um, when I stepped into meditation, that's when I really started to identify like, oh, like this is part of how I connect with my spiritual self. Like I get it. Meditation stopped being like, this is how I reduce anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it started being like, this is how I come into connection with spirit. And um, it was through me attending a meditation retreat that was more tantric based Mm -hmm. um, that really opened me up to the sensory experience of meditation. And that started to connect pieces of, oh, this is my yoga asana practice. And then we have this meditation experience that's actually connecting these two threads together in some way. And that's really when I began to identify more as a spiritual person where I started to notice like where spirit lived in my body, started to open myself up to different sensory experiences in my in my nervous system and where like all of that started to bloom in a whole different way. Um, and here I am now, I mean, several steps later, but (laughs) um, that's been kind of where my journey kind of then took off into, um, just identifying spirituality for myself and, um, what it meant to find spirit in me and spirit in nature and spirit in other people, um, and engage in that in ways that felt in deepest devotion to the spirit that I know to be true, um, in my, in my heart, in my soul. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is so beautiful to just hear more about that coming into self in connection to spirit and our relationship to and hearing you and in your relationship to what you you shifted and transformed about how you saw your body and how you were speaking about your body and how you connected to your body and then how much that opened up that is beyond the body which I think that is a huge part of what yoga is and you may know this about me that I'm, I'm a trauma-informed yoga teacher and one of my most significant parts of my own healing, I was 20 years old, I was a medicine journey uh, and that's where I, I found yoga. Like I had been practicing before that but it was when I actually found it in my body and in my breath and came to that realization where it actually landed that that we are spiritual beings in human form. And so it was this beautiful way to both acknowledge that we're in this lifetime, we have these bodies, and we are limitless in what is possible for us in the spiritual realm. And finding spirit for myself just in that part of my journey, it completely crumbled so many of the ancestral uh, beliefs and stories that I had around what I was capable of in this lifetime. And I'm hearing from you and your journey of of healing and, and shifting, you know, the stories that you had from your, your ancestry, uh, how letting go of the the belief system that 
you were indoctrinated within in religion was a huge part of that. Um, and I, I resonate with that too, because my, I was raised in a Catholic household. My mom is Catholic and Mexican. And, uh, I, I felt like I didn't quite fully, I couldn't fully get behind God or the idea of God as I was struggling to, to find something that was greater, that was bigger than what I was taught at that point in time. And so for me and what I'm feeling from you in, in coming into yoga and coming into asana and then coming into, uh, to breath and to pranayam and then coming into meditation from that place of, uh, connection to spirit, it, it also had this impact of really deeply healing um, the, the body in a way where the body had more receptivity to that which is beyond the mind. Um, yeah. And also acknowledging that, that we are channels. And I know that we talk about this in different ways, or we have talked about this in different ways of being a channel of uh, of wisdom or of, you know, in this world, we say like transmissions and downloads and things like that. And so I'd love to hear more about just like the energy of channeling, um, and how, you know, owning your voice, especially I'm going back to the witch wound because it just keeps showing up for me in this conversation. We're having a voice and using the voice in ways that are really terrifying or can feel terrifying, uh, that reclamation of it and like in being in your truth and your spiritual truth while being in devotion to your heart and your soul and your expansion in that for those that you touch and that you impact. Because uh, I, I think it's so huge and there's listeners here who who I know are, are deeper in their spiritual journey and some who might be in the very beginning of their spiritual journey just to to lay that out of it's something that is continually expanded upon. Um, so maybe speaking into where you find yourself now in the expansion of your spiritual self as a channel, uh, as a channel of your own truth and resonance with, with your soul. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, this so beautifully ties into some of the nervous system work, like in the way that I conceptualize it, because... Um, you know, I think we associate spirituality as like, again, like even if we're locating it in our bodies, I think like sometimes we think of it as something that's here, mm-hmm. out here, you know, somewhere. And one of the things that I've learned, you know, through my practice and like learning how to allow channeling to actually lead my business and my leadership is when I can shift my nervous system into the frequency of the channel itself, that what emerges from that place is clean and not entangled with ego self. And like, this is really where like ease then starts to drop into your business because when we have all of these ego parts that are um, kind of operating in our business, we can't really just allow the the things that are truly like meant to channel through us to fully land, right? Mm-hmm. And so like all of the all of the aspects of like how we lead 
the the things that we create in our business like when we channel and allow for the nervous system to like come into resonance with that frequency that's where it just becomes effortless um and so yeah I think in my own like channeling at this point it's me locating in my body where is the frequency and like feeling the little pricks of ego that want to come in and doing the work of like cleaning the channel up so that it just is birthed through me. Um, and so I, I think of my channeling as like, what am I birthing today? Mm. And like, I actually do that in all of my content. It's like one Instagram post is me birthing something for my channel. Mm. And it becomes that intentional of like, how does this want to be calibrated to be received in the purest form of message that can come out of me in this stage. So, um, and I guess like, that's what we're always doing in our leadership in some capacity is we're like clearing our channel so that what comes from us is pure spirit versus like, this is what I'm trying to achieve to get to X, Y place. Like our desire can lead the channel and establish like the container from which the messages come in, but it's devoid of the ego parts that feel insecure, the ego parts that just want to drive this or that, right? So that's kind of how I am in relationship with the channel these days. I'm not sure if that answered the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, what I'm getting out of it is uh, a part of having the clean, clear channel is continuing to uh, work with the the nervous system so that it has the space for that to come in um, with more ease. And, and when you bring in nervous system growth, uh, nervous system business growth, as, as it connects to that, uh, I'd love to, to hear in that particular aspect of, of this conversation, uh, the things that come up is maybe the the lowest low or the highest high that you've experienced in the journey specifically of of nervous system business growth for you uh, and how that how that might have shaped what came from that. Yeah. I think my highest high um yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I think about my highest high, it has everything to do with like this parallel receivership journey that I've had where my business growth has been so tied to um my receivership and love mm-hmm. and life itself and um it was kind of like the moment where I opened the floodgates to my capacity to like receive love fully, it translated into my capacity to receive money fully. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, just the congruence between those two things has been insane. Um, In terms of like dates landing at the same time, like, 
my first huge launch landing on the same day that I got engaged. Like, you know, and it, it wasn't anything I could have planned. Like it just, there was such a level of coherence with every step of it. Um, the first time I met my now husband and we moved in together, you know, the month that we moved in together, I had my highest month in business. And so it, these things have kind of deepened my own understanding of, you know, what we're doing in the nervous system with receiving. And so it kind of comes back to what you spoke to, which is like, it, it's all in our business journey, like our lives are in our business journey. And this is the threads that they're connecting, right? And so for me, the highest high has been like holding all of that at once and like actually feeling my capacity to hold all of the love, to hold all of the money like and desires that I've had and to just kind of like increase that overflow bucket and my capacity to hold it because I think it's one of the biggest things that we collapse with in our nervous system is like holding the goodness Mm -hmm. and that that can actually scare us and make us like fly in the other direction, even though we might consciously want it. And so my capacity to do that and to welcome more and more of that in has, has been my highest high. Um, yeah. And if we were to like pinpoint a specific moment, um, I think it's embodied in the moment that I had my biggest launch and I got engaged and it was like happening on the same day and I was having champagne with, with my then fiance and like having my biggest launch of my life and like something just landed in my body. And I think that represents how I feel most days when I'm tapping into goodness. And now I have a son and like that's added a whole other level of love into the space. Um, But that feels like it kind of represents the highest high as it continues to expand. Um, And then the lowest low. I, like, (laughs) I'm asking myself this question. What's going through my head is, Anna, can't you come up with the lowest low that's like really sticking out in your brain as like, you know, the thing. And then there's another part of me that's saying like, are you bypassing? (laughs) Like, you know, and like all these voices are popping in and like, I can't like really remember a lowest low, like in recent time. Like I've definitely had moments where I've questioned, like, am I doing the right thing? Or, like, had moments where I questioned, like, am I a shitty coach because of what's showing up here? Um, But it's like they haven't had roots. You know, they haven't had, like, roots that have, like, shook me to my core in that way. I've had, like, lowest lows in the very beginning stages of my business where it was, like, breakdown central um you know at least once a month where I questioned what the hell am I doing is this ever gonna work is 
you know, is anyone going to like pay me money for what I want to do? And it's not to say that like, I don't have breakdowns, but I guess it's to say that I hold myself differently and my lowest low is just an emotion that moves through me. And then like, it's not that I'm like happier regulated or like in, in goodness all the time, but it's that I kind of know that I'm going to swing back that way at some point. And it just doesn't have like the, the pull on me. It doesn't pull me to the underworld anymore is I guess what I'm saying. Um, so that's the most honest answer because I can't come up with like, this is the thing other than early on in my business, um, where I think we just go through roller coasters. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. What I'm hearing for that from that is, uh, a part of it is in, the the lowest list felt like they were questioning uh a lot more and yeah and now that that you've planted and and rooted down so much more in in the trust and the faith and in the the knowing what's on the other side the questioning just doesn't have as much of the impact as it used to (laughs) yeah it actually reminds me of this like meme that i posted on my stories that was like you might have even liked it it was something like it was the cartoon of someone who was like smoking a cigarette and was like, I've gone through so many deaths and oh, yeah. <laughs> at this point that it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I'm cool. And I don't, I forget what it exactly said, but it was kind of like, it's almost like the, the um, capacity for us to like hold ourselves in the death and rebirth so many times that eventually we just become so regulated with it. It's like, okay, I know the universe has a greater plan. Like, I'm just dropping in for the ride and seeing where we end up kind of energy. Yeah, here we go. Just another just another Wednesday dying. <laughs> I'll, I'll be reborn again. <laughs> yeah. When's the rebirth? Yeah. Let me, like, jot it down on my calendar. <laughs> so real. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is so good. I, I want to get into so many, so many things. And I know that, that we just can't in, in one session, in one episode. So I'll go ahead and, and leave uh, the excitement for dropping in more deeply in, in other ways in future times. And for now, would love to hear uh, this question that I like asking in in the vein of the the energy of this podcast, um, what are you currently embodying in wildness, wealth, or liberation, or all of them um, in your current moment right now? Like, what is it that feels the most wild, or the most wealthy, or the most liberated, or all of those things in in how you are currently embodying your your leadership or your sense of self? Yeah. I want to say motherhood. Um, I'm a new mom as of like three and a half months ago. And um, I think one of the one of the fears that I had stepping into motherhood was that I couldn't really 
be myself anymore. And I'm a manifester in human design, so I need a lot of time by myself. And I was afraid that a part of me would just disappear. Um, and I think one of my initiations or like one of my invitations into wildness and liberation um, has been about how to claim my own vision of motherhood mm. and how to my own roles with it and not have the perceived limitations that I think everyone else places on you in terms of what people think that motherhood is um, or the experiences that they've maybe had with motherhood. And so that's the biggest thing that's on my heart and the ways that I'm navigating that and yeah, embodying wild motherhood, I suppose. Mm, I love this. Embodying wild motherhood. <laughs> it's the new wave of motherhood. Wild mothers. <laughs> Maybe it's a future program. No. <laughs> I'm here for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing your beauty and your medicine and your wisdom with us here today such a pleasure to have you here and to hear from you thanks for having me i appreciate it you're so welcome and thank you for those of you who tuned into this episode if you have received from it you can uh, share this episode on instagram and tag it or send it to those of uh, the people in your life who you feel would receive or benefit from it and Uh, We'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing Sacred Space and joining me on this episode of Wild, Wealthy, and Liberated. If you resonate, I would love if you left a review. And if you are more curious about my work and would like to get to know me better, you can find the links to my website and my Instagram in the show notes below as well as my free Facebook community if you'd like to join and be a part of that. Blessing your week and looking forward to having you back for the next episode.